According to the latest Real Clear politics polling averages, if the 2024 presidential election were held today, Joe Biden would defeat Donald Trump by two points. Biden's approval rating is underwater, however, with only 25 percent of Americans saying the country is heading in the right direction. Twenty five percent of Americans say the country is heading in the right direction and only 41.4 percent of Americans approve of the job Joe Biden is doing. More on that later. And I should mention that job approval of a sitting president or presidential candidate is no longer uh, it's no longer an accurate leading indicator of how they'll fare in the general election. At least that's what I believe. Americans have come to hate their leaders. We hate everybody in Washington, D.C. I seem to remember, I'm not 100 percent certain here, that President Obama's approval rating was underwater back in 2012 when he was running for re-election, and he became the first president, I believe, in modern history to get re-elected with his approval ratings either below the water, below water, or near below water. Nobody liked Hillary, but she won the popular vote in 2016. So presidential elections have changed. Uh, they seem to be less about liking the candidate and more about picking the lesser of two evils. At least that's what I believe. Leave a comment if you can prove me wrong. Meanwhile, Trump is blowing his Republican challengers out of the water. The real clear polling averages show Donald Trump leading Ron DeSantis. I mean, this is incredible. Uh, nationally, Trump has 54% of the vote. DeSantis is cratering with only 16% of the vote, and he's in second place. The margins are a little tighter in Iowa and New Hampshire, where it really counts, but not by much, not, my, not by much. Donald Trump's fourth criminal indictment could come as early as two weeks from today. In Georgia, Fulton County District Attorney Fawny Willis is expected to bring her election interference findings before a grand jury next week. And then it will be up to the grand jury to decide whether or not to issue indictments. There are reports that 20 people have been contacted by the Fulton County DA's office informing them that they may be indicted. Now, I'm going to assume some of those indicted would, of course, be Donald Trump. Perhaps Mark Meadows, his former chief of staff, who was in on that call to Georgia's Secretary of State Brad Raffsenberger. You all heard that call when both Meadows and Trump coerced Raffsenberger into finding more votes, right? They lied to him and said, find us more votes. There was election fraud. And then there's Rudy Giuliani, because you got to indict, <laughs> you got to indict Rudy. How can you not? I'm going to talk. He's got so many legal problems. I'll talk about them in a second. Uh, so I'm going to assume uh, the Fulton County DA is going to indict Rudy just because, you know, you have to. And I would also assume they're going to uh, indict, if there are 20 people who are told they're subject to an indictment, the phony slate of electors that Rudy assembled in Georgia. I'm going to assume some of those phony electors will be indicted. Here's my wild card pick for this next tranche 
of criminal indictments coming out of Georgia. This is a wild card pick, Senator Lindsey Graham, okay? Not saying it's going to be Senator Lindsey Graham. Graham to, I'm not saying he's going to be one of the 20, but I'm saying he might be one of the 20. Uh, it's wishful thinking. He was forced to testify under oath down in Georgia before Fonnie Willis's grand jury. She asked him questions about the role he played, Senator Lindsey Graham, the role he played in spreading election fraud lies to strong arm Georgia election officials into switching the results in favor of Donald Trump. Again, this is wishful thinking. So my wild card pick is Lindsey Graham, and this will make the fourth set of criminal indictments for Donald Trump in fewer than six months. Uh, and when you're indicted, you are arrested. Let's not sugarcoat this. When you are indicted, you are arraigned, you are fingerprinted, and you are arrested, and the sheriff in Fulton County has said that if Donald Trump is indicted, there's a mugshot. There are also reports now that special counsel Jack Smith might have a brand new set of indictments in store for Donald Trump. More indictments on the way. Bernard Carrick, he's, uh, he was Rudy Giuliani's disgraced New York police commissioner who ended up going to prison, I believe, for tax evasion. And he has been asked to testify before Jack Smith's grand jury about the role he and Rudy played after the 2020 presidential election, the, ro the role he and Rudy played in fundraising for Donald Trump. It has been suggested that Donald Trump could be indicted for wire fraud because of that fundraising. He was sending out emails to his supporters right after the election asking for donations to help him fight voter fraud, even though everybody, everybody told him he had lost the election, that there was no such thing as voter fraud. Raising money based on a false claim using the Internet to raise money based on a false claim is wire fraud. Special counsel Jack Smith could also be looking into Trump's Save America Super PAC and why nearly its entire budget of $40 million last quarter alone was spent on legal fees. If, you're, if you've been listening to this show, I've been asking who's paying everybody's legal fees? Where's this money going? It's nice to see he's got a busy dance card Jack Smith, but maybe he's looking into who's paying everybody's legal fees. Meanwhile, a hearing has been scheduled for Friday in Washington, D.C. to determine whether or not a protective order needs to be put in place to prevent Donald Trump from talking about the evidence that Jack Smith must hand over to Trump's attorney during the discovery phase of his election interference criminal trial. If the government is presenting a case against you, you, uh, I think it's called uh, Brady. I think it's called the Brady ruling. The, the prosecutors have to hand over all the evidence they have against you before the trial starts. And Trump, this is what concerns Jack Smith, the special counsel is concerned that Trump has taken to social media, threatening witnesses as well as Jack Smith. And prosecutors are worried that Trump will use 
the evidence that is handed to his lawyers, he will use that evidence to take to social media and try to contaminate a potential jury pool, as well as intimidate witnesses who are named in this evidence. Trump insists he can say whatever he wants. He's insisting, I've got First Amendment rights to say whatever I want. And he was campaigning in New Hampshire on Tuesday. He began to attack Jack Smith, as well as, and I don't think this was smart, he began attacking U.S. District Judge Tanya Chutkin, who is overseeing the case in Washington, D.C., Friday's hearing on whether or not to issue a protective order, maybe a gag ruling to shut him up. And if he won't shut up, he insists that he won't shut up. She may be forced to issue a gag ruling. And if he won't shut up, then she's going to have no choice but to put him under arrest. And then it's going to all, you know, First Amendment, First Amendment, right? Uh, The fact that this... uh, this hearing has been scheduled for Friday, seems to suggest that Judge Chutkin is hoping to get this trial underway quicker than sooner. Well, if you remember, earlier this year, Fox News agreed to pay Dominion voting machines three quarters of a billion dollars to settle a defamation suit for pretty much allowing Rudy Giuliani on their network to spread Voter fraud lies about their machines. At the same time, the voting machine company Smartmatic, following in the footsteps of Dominion, they filed a $2.7 billion defamation suit against Fox News for allowing people like Rudy Giuliani to come on their network and spread lies about their voting machines. The lawsuit As I said, the Smartmatic lawsuit was filed around the same time as Dominion's. And now that the Dominion trial is off the books and settled, the Smartmatic trial starts. And new filings indicate they are targeting Rudy Giuliani, targeting him hard. This is the discovery phase of that civil suit. And it's a nightmare for Rudy. Now, he's an alcoholic. He also has no money. He can't afford these attorneys because Trump never paid him. And he's telling lawyers for Smartmatic that I lost my iPhone. All the evidence you're looking for is is in my iPhone and I seem to have misplaced it. And the judge is threatening him with court sanctions. So Rudy, it looks like in the Smartmatic case, is going to lose it before it even starts. Rudy has also been sued for defamation by two African-American Georgia election workers, a mother and daughter. The case hasn't been settled yet, but Rudy has already lost it. We just don't know how big a loss it's going to be. He's already agreed to pay them $90,000 just in legal fees, and he has admitted to the judge Uh, that he lied when he accused them of stuffing ballot boxes. Uh, So he's lost that case. And still he goes on. What is it about these guys? Well, allegedly, they're rapists. They're cut from a different cloth. they're, They're not human. How does Rudy keep going? Well, there's a trial a civil lawsuit, a sexual harassment lawsuit filed by 
a, a former employee of his, which I've been hoping, I just don't have time to go over the details, but he's accused of rape. And we also, you know, we ask, how is Donald Trump so indefatigable? Well, I can say with absolute certainty, he is a rapist. He's a rapist. There are close to 30 credible sexual assault accusations uh, leveled against Donald Trump. And Judge Kaplan made it clear on Monday when he rejected the countersuit that Donald Trump filed against E. Jean Carroll, Donald Trump lost a $5 million defamation suit to E. Jean Carroll. So he uses the legal system as a cudgel. He filed a countersuit against E. Jean Carroll. And on Monday, Judge Kaplan, who oversaw the trial that awarded E. Jean Carroll $5 million, what, two months ago, he said and he wrote, I'm dismissing your lawsuit uh, e. Jean Carroll is not defaming you because the jury found you guilty of rape. That's what he said. Rape. So he's officially a rapist, Donald Trump. And you wonder, how does he keep going like the Energizer Bunny? He's, he's not human. He's a monster. He's a rapist. He is a rapist. And yet... The evangelical community loves him. Conservative Christians love Donald Trump, rapist. Donald Trump, rapist. Well, voters in Ohio, a state that has grown increasingly red, delivered a body blow to anti-abortion conservatives on Tuesday, rejecting a ballot initiative that would have made it much harder for voters to change the Constitution and guarantee a woman's right to an abortion. So I want to explain this, okay, because it's complicated. And I, I just want to spend a few minutes so I can explain this story. The state of Ohio, because it's important because it's about abortion and it's about how anti-democratic Republicans are and how they can't win without gaming the system. So I know your eyes are going to glaze over for about three minutes when I try to explain this, but it's kind of important because it shows not just how venal the Republicans are, but how good they are at working the machinery at a state level that you really have to, you can't, you can't let them exhaust us. You have to keep fighting fascism, okay? So try to pay attention. I, this is not going to be fun, okay? Uh, which is why I'm going to take my shirt off. As uh, No. Uh, okay. The, the state of Ohio is scheduled to vote this November on whether to guarantee in its state constitution a woman's right to an abortion. Now, in order for a change in the Constitution in Ohio, in order for them to change the, the Constitution, in order for it to become law, the referendum that will be voted on in November must pass by a simple majority, okay? But Republicans and conservative pro-lifers are rightfully concerned that this bill is going to pass in November thereby making it impossible for the state legislature in Ohio or the Ohio State Supreme Court to outlaw abortion. 
Once it's enshrined in the Constitution, you cannot mess with the Constitution, unless, of course, you're John Eastman, Rudy Giuliani, and Donald Trump. So they're worried that this pro-abortion bill, this referendum, this addition to the Constitution, will pass with a simple majority in November. So Republicans introduced issue one. Issue one is what they voted on yesterday, and it got rejected, and that's good news. Issue one uh, had, had it passed, would have made it harder, not easier, for a state referendum to go through, okay? No longer could changes to the Constitution, like enshrining a woman's right to an abortion, no longer could changes to the Constitution be passed by a simple majority, right? One more vote than the other team has. Instead, issue one would have required a 60% majority. Got it? Instead of, you know, one, one more vote than the other side has, you'd have to get a 60% majority because Republicans cannot win with simple majority rule. That's why they love the filibuster in the Senate. Depending on what party the vice president is, because she's the president of the Senate and she gets to break a tie, with a filibuster, you need either 61 or 60 votes, 61 or 60 votes, depending on the party of the vice president, in order uh, to overturn a filibuster in the Senate. That's that's a lot of votes. So nothing passes in the Senate with a simple majority of 51 votes. It could, but Republicans veto everything because Republican positions are so unpopular, they have to rely on or create new workarounds to make it harder for the will of the people to be exercised, right? That's why they gerrymander. That's why they steal elections, voter suppression. It's why they cheat. Who would vote for a Republican? I mean, who would? No, who? So voters in Ohio went to the polls on Tuesday to decide how hard it should be to pass amendments to their state constitution. Again, this was really about abortion, Okay, and voters said, keep it the way it is. Let me go over this because I think it's really important. I think it's a cautionary tale. It's a success story coming out of Ohio. And it's a cautionary tale that Donald Trump is a rapist. They are indefatigable. The fascists, they don't stop and they will tire us out. We have to beat them at their ground game. And their ground game this week was in Ohio, and they lost, okay? This is good news, something to celebrate. Right now, the state of Ohio allows changes to its constitution through a referendum where people from Ohio go to the polls and vote either yes or no. You get one more vote than the other team, it's in the constitution. A referendum only requires a simple majority. So in November, pay attention to November, in Ohio, there is going to be a referendum on a constitutional amendment that enshrines into law a woman's right to an abortion. And thanks to today's vote, that referendum 
can pass by a simple majority. That is huge, okay? Republicans tried to get this procedural change with issue one that lost on Tuesday because they fear majority rule. They suspect, and rightfully so, that when put to a vote, even in Ohio, which is becoming increasingly red, when put to a vote, a majority, a simple majority of people in Ohio, because half of them are women, and a good number of them are men who get women pregnant and don't want to marry them when they're pregnant or have to help pay for the babies, most people, or at least a simple majority, are going to be for a woman's right to an abortion. Let's see what the Republicans do before now and November to try to prevent this from being on the ballot. They, they are great at gumming up the works. Let's see. In order to pu purchase a gun in the United States, you must submit to a background check, and the gun you buy must have a serial number. Not so for ghost guns until last year when President Biden issued an executive order regulating the purchase and manufacture of ghost guns the same way we barely regulate the rest of the guns in our bullet-riddled country. Biden's executive order, of course, was challenged immediately by gun rights manufacturers, okay? The right to sell guns, not to bear arms. Let's Let's be honest about what this, what the NRA is. This isn't about your right to bear arms. It's the right to make millions of dollars each year selling weapons, okay? The NRA, NRA and any lawyer suing on behalf of the Second Amendment is advocating on behalf of the gun manufacturers who want to sell more guns. This is about selling guns. 16.4 million guns were sold to Americans last year. This is a business. Guns, selling guns to Americans wasn't always this way, but this is a big business now. There are two mass shootings every single day in America because this is a business the U.S. firearm industry generates $51.3 billion in sales each year. It's a business. And it will be more next year because this is a business. It is a business. Wasn't always this way. But now guns are big business. The number three Republican leader in the House, Harvard's very own Elise Stefanik, is married to Matthew Manda, who works for the National Shooting Sports Foundation. That's one of the top firearms trade associations and lobbyists in America. His job, Matthew Manda, who is married to Elise Stefanik, she's the number three in the house. Uh, Matthew Manda gets up every day and goes to work and tries to get more AR-15s into the hands of ordinary Americans. His job is to in increase the sales of assault weapons 
year after year. And if you go to their big events, go to the National Shooting Sports Foundation. They have a website. If you attend their big events, you meet people like Marty Daniel. He's the CEO of Daniel Defense, which made the AR-15 used in the Uvalde school shooting in Texas last year that left 19 babies and two teachers dead. Marty Daniel shows up at Elise Stefanik's Husband's Gun Association meetings and publicly thanks him for all the help he's offered in finding what he calls, quote, new markets in the United States to sell his AR-15s. Isn't that sweet? That would be Harvard's very own Elise Stefanik. She's the number three leader in Congress, and she's married to this guy, uh, Matthew Manda, and he gets up every morning, puts on a suit and tie, says, bye, honey, and then he goes and tries to get guns into the hands of more and more Americans because it's a big business. So this isn't about the Second Amendment. This is about selling more guns this year than were sold the year before. And more guns sold means more dead Americans. Let me repeat that. More guns sold, more dead Americans. Thank you, Elise Stefanik, and your, your lovely husband. What a great man you are. Matthew Manda, who gets up every morning and uh, tries to get guns into the hands of psychopaths. Speaking of Uvalde, yesterday the 17-year-old cousin of the shooter in last year's Uvalde school massacre, he was arrested. The cousin was arrested. His mother called the police after he reportedly threatened to shoot his sister and warned his mother that he would be shooting up a nearby elementary school. And he was also heard on the phone attempting to purchase an AR-15 through an illegal private sale. So, once again, this isn't about the Second Amendment. This is about selling more guns this year than were sold the year before. More guns sold means more Americans dead. Gun homicides are the highest in southern states, which, as we all know, tend to have the most lax gun laws. In other words, the more guns you sell, the more people who are going to die. Now, here's where it gets really disturbing. The firearms industry employs close to 170,000 people across the United States. The exact number is 169,523. So let's say 170,000. The gun industry, unless we move quickly, the gun industry is approaching critical mass where the same argument against outlawing AR-15s will be the same exact argument used against Medicare for all. Okay? That's critical mass, where it's impossible to pass Medicare for all because there's so many jobs at stake. You have 170,000 people working for the gun manufacturers in America. How many millions are employed by the for-profit health insurance 
companies. That's a critical mass where people say, yeah, I like the idea of getting rid of guns, but do we really want to put all those people out of work? I like the idea of Medicare for all, but do we really want to put all those people out of work? Yeah, I do. I do. People are resilient. They can find other jobs. Now, we know for a fact that health insurance companies murder tens of thousands of Americans each month. And if you don't know that, you're an ignoramus. The number one cause of bankruptcy in America is medical debt. And if you don't know that, you're an ignoramus. Half of working Americans who have health insurance say they can't afford to use it. And if you don't know that, you're an ignoramus. Health insurance companies offer nothing. Health For-profit health insurance companies offer nothing. And if you don't know that, you're an ignoramus. Health insurance companies just skim. That's all they do. They just skim anywhere between 20 to 30% off the top of health expenditures in our country every year. And if you don't know that, you're an ignoramus. If you don't know that Medicare for all, government-run health care, spends 2% of its budget on administrative costs, and United Healthcare spends anywhere between 20 and 30%, on administrative costs, plus advertising, stock buybacks, and dividends. If you don't know that, you are an ignoramus. Where the F have you been that you don't know that? This is the British born Sir Andrew Whitty, CEO of United Healthcare, and they're headquartered in Minnesota. I always like to talk about Sir Andrew Whitty because I have uh, a macabre obsession with serial killers. Dexter is one of my favorite shows on Showtime. And Sir Andrew Whitty is like Dexter. He gets, away, he gets away with it. Sir Andrew Whitty is a serial killer. He is the CEO of United Healthcare, and he's responsible for some of your dead grandparents. Why? Because he's the CEO of United Healthcare. And if you don't know that he's a serial killer, you're an ignoramus. Uh, he's not even American. He's not even American. Uh, he's here in America. You know, he's British. He's here in America because he can't do to the British what he's allowed to do to Americans. Uh, you, they have universal health care, barely because of people like Sir Andrew Whitty, but they, they can't he can't kill as many people. It's like Jack the Ripper moving to America, like moving to, you know, uh, like a territory in like Texas. Oh, it was the 1900s. So it would be like moving to Oklahoma before it was a state. And figuring I can kill a lot more people here. It's just a territory. It's wide open. That, that's basically who Sir Andrew Whitty is. He's Jack the Ripper who wants to kill more people uh, and so he goes to America where you can get away with it easier than you can in Great Britain. Uh, he's a murderer. And as an American, he should be deported. I want Sir Andrew Whitty out of my country at the very least. Send Andrew Whitty 
the CEO of United Healthcare back to Britain. Uh, see, the problem isn't migrants at the border. They're, they're not going to kill you. In fact, they're probably going to end up working in, in the hospitals as nurses. Uh, the migrants aren't going to kill you. Sir Andrew Whitty from Great Britain, he'll kill you. He, he has killed you. He's a murderer. He's the CEO of United Healthcare, Sir Andrew Whitty, and he murders tens of thousands of Americans every quarter, at least, to juice his company's record profits. Go check United Healthcare's record profits. There's a lot of money in murdering people. Know his name. Sir Andrew Witty, W-I-T-T-Y, CEO of United Healthcare. He is a serial killer. 30% of what America spends on healthcare each year goes to health insurance companies whose murderous CEOs like serial killer Sir Andrew Witty skim off the top and rack up record profits by taking in more money than they pay out. See, that's how United Healthcare, that's their business plan. We take in more money than we pay out in healthcare. They do that by denying treatment for their customers. You know, sick children, sick children. Sir Andrew Witte murders sick children. He deprives them of the healthcare they need to stay alive. That would be Sir Andrew Witte, CEO of United Healthcare, who murders sick children by denying them the drugs and the treatment they need all in the name of mammon. Or he'll slow the approval for that treatment down and, you know, waits for the customer to die before their treatment is approved. And that is why Sir Andrew Whitty, the British-born CEO of United Healthcare, is a serial killer and should be deported. That's all I'm asking for. I, I'm not, you know, if you want to arrest him, I think that's impossible. I don't want any bad to happen to him uh, because it's legal. You can be a serial killer in America. It's legal. But I want him deported and I want everybody to know who he is and what he's doing to us, and he's not an American. Get him out of my country. Now, one of the arguments against switching to Medicare for all is that it would eliminate private health insurance. And that would mean hundreds of thousands of Americans would lose their jobs. In other words, this is the argument. Americans we should die. We should continue to spend more than anyone else in the industrialized world on health care with the worst results. We should die and go broke in order to save Sir Andrew Witte's job. Okay? Now, I've even heard some corporate Democrats say if you eliminate health insurance companies, you're going to destroy one of the biggest sectors of our economy. Well, you know what? So is fentanyl. Fentanyl is one of the biggest sectors of our economy. Uh, the people who work in health insurance companies, I have faith in them. They can find other work and they'd rather find 
other work. I am sure when we outlaw private health insurance, we don't have to worry about serial killer Sir Andrew Whitty, the CEO of United Healthcare. He's smart. I have faith in him. He can find other work killing innocent people. He can go work for Eric Prince over at Blackwater or whatever Eric Prince is calling Blackwater these days. Sir Andrew Whitty could go join Eric Prince and kill innocent people in Africa for profit and fun. Mostly fun, because these people are sadists. Or he can go to work for the tobacco industry. That's still legal. But do it in England, not here. I want him deported. I don't want anything to happen to him other than getting him the F out of my country because he's a serial killer. He kills children. He kills Grant. He has the blood of children on his hands because profits are more important to Sir Andrew Witte, CEO of United Healthcare, than saving lives. And if you don't know that, with all due respect, you're an ignoramus. You really are. If you don't know that he's a serial killer, you're an ignoramus and you need to, to cancel your Netflix and your Hulu and show solidarity with the striking writers and actors and start reading about serial killers. Cancel Showtime. You don't need to watch Dexter. There's an even more successful serial killer than Dexter. His name is Sir Andrew Witte, CEO of United Healthcare. I want him deported. That's all. That's all I want. I mean, if you want to arrest him, sure. But I just want him and his family deported. That's all I want. I, I want the Sir Andrew Witties uh, deported. I don't know the name of his family. Let's just call them the Sir Andrew Witties, who not, I don't want anything bad to happen to these people uh, because it's bad enough being the wife of Sir Andrew Witty or the child of Sir Andrew Witty. But we owe it to ourselves and our country to make sure that Sir Andrew Witty, his wife and his children are reminded every day of their lives. They need to be reminded where their family fortune comes from. We owe that to ourselves because that's the only justice we're going to get. We're not going to arrest him, but we need to make sure that he is reminded every day that he's a serial killer and his children the children of Sir Andrew Witte, the CEO and chief serial killer for United Healthcare, if his children are watching uh, from their private schools or some South American ski vacation, uh, all of that stuff that you have has been paid for by the blood of innocent dead Americans. Because your father, Sue Andrew Witte, the CEO of United Healthcare, is a serial killer. And why do I bring up the kids? Well, I don't want anything bad. I really don't. I don't want anything bad to happen to anybody's kids. But I do believe in a, a term called ancestral fault. Uh, the ancient Greeks believed in ancestral fault. 
I kind of, this is my own version of it. The, the ancient Greeks believed the sins of the father are passed on to the children. Uh, but that was what the, the Greek gods decided. But when it comes to Greek gods, I'm an atheist, so I believe in applying ancestral fault uh, in, the, in the public square, civically. Uh, call me old-fashioned. I'm old school. The ancient Greeks were right. Ancestral fault. Look it up. Blame the children. Blame the children. Okay? Ancestral fault. This is George W. Bush. George W. Bush, war criminal. Okay? And if you don't know that, you're an ignoramus. He's a war criminal. Okay? Uh, he's killed more people in Iraq, I believe, maybe I'm wrong, than Putin killed in Ukraine. I mean, maybe somebody in the comments section, let's add that up. Who's responsible for more deaths? Uh, Vladimir Putin for his illegal invasion of Ukraine, where Putin should be frog-marched before the International Criminal Court, or George W. Bush for his illegal invasion of Iraq. Can somebody do the math for me? I, I, I'd like to crunch the numbers here. Uh, and he should be, George W. Bush, should be frog-marched before the International Criminal Court, which is why America is not a signatory to the International Criminal Court. We're so busy, Joe Biden's so busy trying to get Vladimir Putin dragged before the International Criminal Court, which he should be, but we're not signatories. Why? Because the entire Bush administration would be frog-marched before the International Criminal Court. What, a million dead Iraqis? According to Lancet, at least a million dead Iraqis? Because this serial killer had Oedipal issues? Uh, but you know what? I'm a forgiving guy. I am. Uh, he's going to be 80. George W. Bush is pushing 80. I think he's, you know, I think he's so depressed. I think subconsciously he knows what he's done. So he's retreating into himself and he's becoming senile. I've seen him speak. Uh, he's, well, he was senile basically when he was president. That's why the Republicans nominated him. But, uh, Hear me out. That's his daughter, Jenna, host of NBC's Today Show. She's making millions. A uh, lot of kids came home from Iraq, uh, missing limbs. And if they're lucky, George W. Bush paints them. A lot of, a lot of kids, a lot of American kids who he lied to uh, are either dead, missing their faces, limbs, uh, I don't think Jenna Bush should be having fun on NBC's Today Show. I think it's a bad hire. She's a Nepo baby, and, you know, she should be atoning for the sins of her father, not laughing it up with Hoda and day drinking. It's unseemly. Uh, that's why I say march her before The Hague. This is when I become president, 
we're going to join the International Criminal Court and the American war criminals we will spare, we will rely on ancestral fault, we will punish their children. Got to go old school here. Uh, The Greeks kind of got it right with ancestral fault, you know, the sins of the father. Uh, But that was the deities. I don't believe in Greek. I, I don't believe in Zeus. I believe in democracy. So let's lock up the kids. Let's do the work of Zeus for him. Lock up the kids, okay? Lock up Liz Cheney. March her in front of The Hague. Uh, that's how you punish Dick for spreading lies about weapons of mass destruction and saying Saddam Hussein was behind 9-11 when he knew, when he knew Saddam Hussein was not behind 9-11. Uh, so lock up Liz, Liz Cheney. We got what we needed from her. She sat on the January 6th committee. She's a useful idiot. We got everything we needed from Liz Cheney, Senator to The Hague. And let's never forget, she voted for Donald Trump twice. She voted against his first impeachment. It took an insurrection for her to speak up. Again, very brave of her. Thank you for your service. We got what we wanted from this useful idiot, Liz Cheney. Now it's time to ship you off to The Hague Ancestral fault, you must pay the price of the crimes, the sins committed by your father. Liz Cheney, always been a hawk who opposed Medicare for all, marcher before the Hague for her father's war in Iraq. I know we need her. I know we still need her. We need allies to defeat Trump, right? We need allies to defeat Trump. Where was I? Guns. Okay. Nearly, uh, let's talk about guns, ghost guns, right? Okay. That's Wayne LaPierre. Uh, I don't think he has kids. I don't think Wayne LaPierre, the head of the NRA, can reproduce. Hence his obsession with guns. I don't know. Can somebody, let's check in the comments section. Does Wayne LaPierre, is he firing blanks? Can he even fire? I don't. I'd be curious. That is Wayne LaPierre, serial killer. Serial killer, Wayne LaPierre. Lots of, lots of blood on uh, Wayne LaPierre's hands. And as I pointed out, close to 170,000 Americans work in the firearms industry. Okay? So just like Medicare for All, we're going to hear... Pretty soon, and we're almost hearing it, you really want to ban the sales of AR-15s? I mean, think of all, we got 170,000 people working in the firearms industry. How are these people going to feed their children? That's the argument in America. Jobs, jobs. You really want to switch to renewable energy? What about the coal miners? What about the coal miners? Uh, well, first off, nobody's a coal miner in America anymore. That job doesn't exist. It's a figment of the Republican Party's imagination. There are no coal miners anymore. There are, at last count, 
38,400 coal miners in America total. Okay? Nobody's a coal miner anymore, and they don't want to be coal miners. Nobody ever wanted to be a coal miner. There used to be, you go back 100 years, uh, there were a million coal miners 100 years ago. Now we're down to 38,400. But they convince us this is about jobs. No, there are no more jobs in coal. Nobody's a coal miner anymore, and if they are, we should find them better work. Work that's safer and healthier for them and our planet. But the pathological liar, Democrat, Senator Joe Manchin of West Virginia, Democrat, is killing the planet, claiming, well, we have to protect the coal jobs in West Virginia, okay? He's a liar. He's a liar. Uh, there, are fewer, there are fewer coal miners in West Virginia today, and no matter what Joe Manchin was able to squeeze out of Joe Biden in the Inflation Reduction Act or the Bipartisan Infrastructure Bill, whatever he was able to squeeze out for West Virginia there will be half as many coal miners five years ago. There are, right now, 11,000 coal miners in West Virginia, okay? There's your coal country, okay? 11,000 coal miners, and you know they love their jobs, right? They would hate it if Joe Manchin made some kind of sweetheart deal with Joe Biden where the federal government closed the coal mines and then trained these 11,000 coal miners to do something else that doesn't give them black lung disease and broil our entire planet to death. We've entered a new era, a big broil, right? The, 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 what do they call them? The broiling phase? We're broiling. The water off Miami, 101 degrees, hottest anywhere on the planet. So it's not about jobs. It's about money. It's about money. Joe Manchin earns half a million dollars a year in dividends from coal mining stocks. He also gets more money, more donations from the fossil fuel industry than any other politician in Washington, D.C., Nobody gets more money from the fossil fuel industry than Joe Biden, but that doesn't really go into his pocket. It does. I'm sure he's able, his war chest, I'm sure he's able to funnel money to his wife, and I'm sure he's able to do that. But in terms of just hard currency that goes into his pocket shamelessly, he earns half a million dollars a year in dividends from coal mining stock, okay? And who knows how much else he makes on the side from coal, so this isn't about coal jobs. This is about protecting Joe Manchin's investment. This is a map provided to us by the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration's monthly climate report. This is a government map, okay? So far this year, climate change-related natural disasters have cost the American taxpayer $15 billion. 
the flooding, the heat, the tornadoes and drought. $15 billion directly. That doesn't add up the indirect costs. And it's not, uh, who knows how much uh, it's going to cost the smoke pouring in from Canada. Uh, This is a conservative estimate. Okay. But Americans have to die. We have to die from climate change to protect Joe Manchin's investments. We have to die. We have to get shot to death to protect Wayne LaPierre, his uh, gun manufacturers. We have to die from lack of health care so the CEO, Andrew Witte, can make money. We all have to die And we have to die from climate change to protect Joe Manchin's coal investments. By the way, that's Joe Manchin's daughter, who, and this isn't ancestral fault, uh, she really should go to prison, okay? I mean, I've been joking and, you know, teasing and, you know, venting, but Joe Manchin's daughter really should go to prison. We've talked about her countless times Uh, I was joking about Jenna Bush and Liz Cheney, sort of. I mean, if you want to lock up Jenna Bush and Liz Cheney for the war in Iraq, nothing would make me happier. But, you know, but Joe Manchin's daughter, Heather Bresch, Heather Bresch. Well, she was the CEO of the drug company Mylan. And Mylan is a very corrupt drug company. Well, they all are. Uh, They were found guilty of price gouging for the EpiPen. They make the EpiPen necessary. You know, if you're anaphylactic shock, you need EpiPens. Uh, If your kids have allergies, uh, if you don't have an EpiPen at school, your kids can die. And Heather Bresch, CEO of Mylan, she was found guilty of price gouging. And four years ago, Mylan settled with the Justice Department. Mylan had to pay half a billion dollars to the United States government for ripping off Medicare. How do you not go to prison for ripping off Medicare? Price gouging ordinary American citizens for the EpiPen. Read about that. And then she ripped off Medicare what, to the tune of half a billion dollars? They overbilled Medicare. Doesn't come out of her salary. The stockholders foot the bill. Joe Manchin's daughter rips off the government for half a billion dollars, right? Plus price gouging for the EpiPen. And what happens? Her company gets a fine. George Floyd is accused of passing a counterfeit 20 He gets a knee on his neck until he's dead. Justice just doesn't seem equal, does it? Lock her up. I'm telling you right now, if I were Joe Biden and this were my Justice Department, my FBI, which it really isn't, Joe Biden is not politicizing or weaponizing the Justice Department or the FBI. It's run by Republicans. But if it were David Feldman's Justice Department or my FBI, it would be weaponized. And I would go to Joe Manchin and I'd say, listen, bitch, 
you're going to vote the way I tell you to, or your daughter is going to be living in Leavenworth for the rest of her sorry, pathetic life, and your wife, and your wife. Why? I don't know. But we'll find something, because this is David Feldman's Justice Department. No, not Joe Biden's. Okay? Okay? I'm kind of like Donald Trump. I mean, this is why people like me should not be allowed. This is what happens when crazy uh, egomaniacs turn to politics. Because I would probably be doing what, what Donald Trump is doing. But for our side, uh, anyway, I'm running out of time here and I don't want to belabor anything here. Did I mention, I don't know if I mentioned this. Did I mention that Sir Andrew Witte, the CEO of United Healthcare, is a serial killer and he should be deported and uh, his children should be picked on for having a father like that? Did I mention that? I'd just like to uh, make a plea uh, to all the bullies out there, calling all bullies, calling all bullies, be on the lookout for the children of Sir Andrew Witte, CEO of United Healthcare. Calling all bullies, track down the children of Sir Andrew Witte attending their Swiss boarding schools and proceed right away with wedgies, swirlies, spitballs, and name calling. Calling all bullies, this is an ancestral fault red alert. The sins of the father must be passed down to the children. Calling all bullies. That would be Sir Andrew Witte, CEO of United Healthcare and serial killer, Medicare for all. I'm no longer asking for Medicare for all. I'm demanding it. Are you? Healthcare is a human right. It starts, you get Medicare for all. You don't ask for Medicare for all. You demand it. And it starts with a cultural shift where people like Sir Andrew Witte, the CEO of United Healthcare and serial killer, they don't get to put their name on museum wings or sponsor 4K runs for breast cancer. Sir Andrew Witte and his family is no different from the Sackler family. Remember them? the Purdue Pharma drug dealers who got millions of Americans addicted to opiates in the name of profit, hundreds of thousands dead Americans overdosing on opiates so the Sackler family could get richer and then clean their name up by building a wing at the Met? No, it doesn't work that way. We need a cultural shift. Sir Andrew Witte and his family must be banished from polite society. Again, no violence, okay? Just cultural bullying. Shame, shame, shame these people and their children. Shame is more powerful than anything, anything else. Shame. Okay, think about everybody has a private shame. 
I have my podcast, and it haunts people every day. Shame is the most powerful punishment imaginable. We need a cultural shift because I am not asking for Medicare for all anymore. I am demanding it. And if you're Sir Andrew Witte, the CEO of United Healthcare, you should be shamed. Your children should change their last names. They should be ashamed of being a Sir Andrew Witte. I'm tired of Americans being told we have to die because United Healthcare won't pay for our treatment because we have to protect the profits for private health insurance companies, not the lives of grandma or our children. I'm tired of being told we have to die from gunshots, that our kids have to be killed in their kindergarten class to protect Marty Daniels, the CEO of Daniel Defense. I'm tired of sacrificing the lives of children to protect Marty Daniels' profit margins. We need a cultural shift in America. No longer, when it comes down to a choice between saving lives or making money, does money come first. I am not asking for Medicare for all anymore. I am demanding it, okay? I am demanding it. I am demanding Medicare for all. Most gun owners... Most members of the NRA want an assault weapons ban. Most Americans who are stupid enough to believe that the Second Amendment guarantees all Americans the right to bear arms, they are still not so stupid that they believe the Second Amendment also includes ghost guns or assault weapons. Even stupid people who believe in the Second Amendment no, it doesn't protect assault weapons or ghost guns. This isn't about the Second Amendment and the right to defend ourselves. This is about gun manufacturers being able to put more weapons into the hands of serial killers so they can live. They, the gun manufacturers can live happily ever after while the rest of us die. You have to die for them to make profits. The lawyers suing to protect ghost guns, they're gun manufacturers masquerading as gun rights activists. They're corporate lawyers masquerading as gun rights activists. All they're doing is suing to protect Marty Daniels' inalienable right to make money off of dead schoolchildren. That is Marty Daniel from Daniel Defense. And he made the AR-15, used in Uvalde. And he does business with our government. I mean, if Joe Biden, I like Joe Biden, but if he really wanted to uh, get these AR-15s uh, out of the hands of ordinary Americans. As commander-in-chief, he could issue an executive order today that debars Daniel Defense from selling to the military. We debar, our government debars corporations. If, if you don't pay a livable wage, then you can't do business with the United States government. If your business practices are questionable, 
you get debarred. There's a lot of money to be made with government contracts, more from the Pentagon than from consumers. And it's well within the commander in chief's right to issue an executive order saying to Marty Daniel, make a choice. You can sell your AR-15s to the government or you can sell them to American consumers. Can't do both. Joe Biden, with a stroke of a pen, could make Marty Daniel choose. Who do you want to sell to? The Pentagon or a 17-year-old schizophrenic? Make a choice. So Joe Biden has been strong on gun control. He has. Uh, And he issued this executive order last year about about, uh, ghost guns. And and he should be thanked for that and reelected for that. And the Supreme Court is currently on vacation. You probably read that they issued on Tuesday uh, an emergency decision temporarily upholding Joe Biden's executive order regulating the manufacture and purchase of ghost guns. I'll explain what ghost guns are in a second. You may not know. Uh, The decision on Tuesday was five to four with three liberal judges joined by Chief Justice John Roberts. Not a surprise. But Trump nominee Amy Coney Barrett also joined the liberals in ruling that Biden's executive order can remain in place until challenges uh, from the gun manufacturers make their way through the courts. So for the time being, uh, Joe Biden's executive order is still still standing. The Gun Control Act of 1968, after Dr. King and Bobby Kennedy were shot to death in 1968, Congress acted and they passed the Gun Control Act of 1968. And at the time... They thought this was the first step in eliminating handguns. Okay, that was the problem back in 68. Assault weapons? It was, you know, they the machine gun, which is still outlawed, nobody in 1968 thought, thought assault weapons would be protected by the Second Amendment. Machine, they outlawed machine guns in the 30s. The issue in 68 was handguns. Get the handguns off the streets. The gun, uh, it's amazing how things, how bad things get when there's money involved. Uh, The Gun Control Act of 1968 defines a firearm. And the definition of a firearm, this is about ghost guns. Uh, We rely on the Gun Control Act of 1968 to define what a firearm. The uh, The definition is used when enforcing gun laws, as well as interpreting gun laws in the courts. Well, because of 3D printing and the popularity of do-it-yourself kits, more and more ghost guns are flooding the market with zero regulation until the, the executive order last year. No background checks, no serial numbers to trace them. Before this executive order, if you wanted to commit a crime, but you didn't want the weapon to be identified, you would buy a do-it-yourself kit. 
and last year through exec and that and that's how you make a ghost gun with a do-it-yourself kit. President Biden, I'll try to explain what a ghost gun is in a second, but President Biden last year through executive order instructed the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco and Firearms to place these ghost guns in the same category as regular firearms as defined by the Gun Control Act of 1968. This was immediately challenged by the National Rifle Association and the gun manufacturers, not the gun rights activists. People who believe in the Second Amendment don't believe in ghost guns or uh, assault weapons. And the ones who do, who cares what they think? Uh, And there should be a final ruling on ghost guns sometime next year from the Supreme Court. But for the time being, uh, Biden's executive order regulating ghost guns still stands. The Biden administration, when signing the executive order, warned that there's an epidemic of ghost guns. And it began in 2017. Who was president in 2017? The ATF reports that in 2017, they apprehended only 1,600 guns, 1,600 ghost guns. These would be guns without serial numbers that were obviously manufactured by these do-it-yourself kits. There were only 1,600 in 2017. According to the Biden administration this week, between August of last year and July of this year, 23,452 privately made firearms were discovered at crime scenes and then handed over to the ATF for tracing. Okay, so, you know, you crack down, you pass some gun control, we're going to see a proliferation of ghost guns. You got you got to ban, got to control all of it. By the way, I talked about the uh, Gun Control Act of 1968. This will make you feel good. This should make you happy. Uh, Since the Gun Control Act of 1968 was passed, more Americans have died from firearms than from all the wars we fought combined. Isn't that good? 1.2 million members of the armed services have died in battle since 1776. But roughly 1.8 million Americans have been shot to death since 1968. So to all my listeners overseas, we're not as belligerent as I thought. We kill more of our own uh, here than we kill of our own overseas. Uh, that that, That makes me happy, makes me optimistic. According to the CDC's most recent statistics, guns are the leading cause of death for Americans between the ages of 1 and 19. If you're between the age of 1 and 19, you're more likely to die from a gun than anything else. Used to be automobile accidents. Used to be cancer. Now it's guns. And we should feel good about that. We're winning the war on cancer and our guns and our cars are safer. Isn't that great? All we had to do to uh, beat childhood cancer and make our cars safer is put guns in the hands of more people. We've won the war on 
we're winning the war on cancer and, you know, and cars are safer because we gave out more guns and now more children between the ages of one and 19 die from guns than from cancer and car accidents. I think the term is, this is how you do it. This is how you do it. Congratulations, America. We're the best. All right, ghost guns. Uh, I'm not going to do this. No. No, I'm not going to do this. You have no idea. I'm going through my notes here. You have no idea what uh, I'm saving you from. (laughs) You have no idea. Hey, I'm not even going to work off these notes. I'm just going to apologize for thinking of subjecting to you what I was about to tell you, okay? So I just, I I apologize for even thinking about this. It was insulting to even think of talking about what I was about to talk about. Oh, sorry, I swallowed. One of my listeners hates to hear me swallowing and probably breathing as well. Uh, well, I'm going to wrap it up. The first presidential debate, how am I doing on time? Can you spare five more minutes? Because I got to get this off my desk. It just, if it doesn't, if I don't get rid of the, these notes, they just fester inside of me. The first presidential debate for the 2024 Republican nomination is August 23rd. And Mike Pence announced on Tuesday... <laughs> That's my new picture. (laughs) I'm sorry. Let me start again. Uh, The first presidential debate for the 2024 president. (laughs) That's my picture. That should be, that's Mike Pence's, that should be his portrait, his vice presidential portrait. (laughs) And it gets painted, just the noose and the gallows in front of the Capitol on January 6th. Nothing says Mike Pence than the the noose and the gallows. The first presidential debate for the 2024 presidential Republican nomination, the 2024 Republican nation, is August 23rd, okay? And Mike Pence announced on Tuesday, and this surprised me, he met the key threshold of 40,000 individual donors to qualify. The candidates, in order to qualify, must also pledge to support the GOP candidate in the general election, no matter who gets the nomination. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna show a real picture of Mike Pence. That's creeping me out. Um, there he is. Uh, so Mike Pence will share the debate gallows with seven other candidates six if Trump doesn't show up. And those candidates are, we should pay attention to this, former South Carolina governor, UN ambassador, and Menza reject Nikki Haley, fascist Ron DeSantis, Chris Christie, who I like right now, South Carolina Senator Tim Scott, hedge fund manager Vivek Ramaswamy, And, of course, North Dakota Governor Doug Burgum. 
you have no idea who Doug Burgum is, don't worry. He has no idea either. This is, here he is. Take, take a good look at Doug Burgum, because this is the last time we're ever going to be talking about Doug Bur I have no idea who Doug Burgum is, nor do I want to find out. I'm told uh, he qualified for the debate. 40,000 people donated to Doug Burgum. Who the hell is Doug Burgum? I'm told he's the governor of North Dakota. And I'm also being told that North Dakota is a state in the United States, which suggests that there's also a South Dakota. South Dakota is also a state. North Dakota and South Dakota are both, so they get four senators. And I'm going to guess, uh, since they're imaginary states, uh, all four senators are Republicans, right? Like Wyoming, another imaginary state, they get two senators and they're Republicans. So what's that, six Republican senators from one, two, three imaginary states that the Republicans invented. Uh, but the people who live in Washington, D.C., no senators, no Congress people, if you live in Washington, D.C. And I blame the, the people of Washington, D.C. Uh, they just can't stop being black. Why don't you stop being black and you can get two senators? Uh, Montana gets two senators. There's another imaginary state. And I think, uh, well, where's Tester from? I think he's a, uh, a Democrat, uh, barely. Nobody lives in these shitholes, and that's because they're shitholes. I mean, Wyoming, North Dakota, South Dakota, these are shitholes. I don't even know if they exist, you know? I'm pretty sure the Republican Party invented these shithole states where nobody lives just to be able to pack the Senate with Republicans. Uh, I'm sorry, Montana, Wyoming, North Dakota— South Dakota, I'm sure they've also invented an East and West Dakota to get four more right-wing Republican douchebags in the Senate. Uh, I'm not saying you're all douchebags. I'm just saying nobody lives where you live. And you're sending douchebags to Washington. There are about 20 douchebag Republicans in the Senate who aren't from real states, and they're gumming up the works. You know, I, I'm sorry you're from West Virginia. It's beautiful. I've actually driven through West Virginia. The people are nice, but you keep sending Joe Manchin to Washington, and he's destroying our planet, protecting your non-existent coal jobs. And I know I'm the bad guy. I know that. I know if my mother were still alive, she'd tell me to stop. She'd say, you know, you're coming across as a city slicker from Manhattan and you have to respect the people from West Virginia and Wyoming and these other imaginary places. But, you know, do I really have to respect them if they're too stupid to realize that Joe Manchin's daughter is a drug kingpin and belongs in prison? 
Mom, am I really supposed to smile here in my shitty New York City apartment and, and be okay with empty states that don't exist where nobody wants to live, but somehow they're punching above their weight in the Senate, sending Republican douchebags to gum up the works? Am I supposed? No, don't be a don't be a Manhattan snob in your lousy apartment. Should I keep going? All right. Well, I'll finish with Ron DeSantis. I got to get rid of this shit because if it sits on my desk, I break things in the apartment. For the third time since Ron DeSantis became a presidential candidate, his campaign has undergone a massive shakeup. Campaign manager Janera Peck is out and she's been replaced by James Utmeyer. Last month, DeSantis fired one-third of his staff as the campaign begins to run low on cash. Somebody peeling onions? Why am I tearing up here? The new campaign manager, Utmeyer, previously worked as the Florida governor's chief of staff. Utmeyer played a major role in improving the lives of ordinary Floridians by going to Texas, rounding up some migrants and flying them to Martha's Vineyard. What a great guy. What a great guy to do that. Take innocent migrants in Texas, not even in Florida, and uh, tell them everything's going to be fine. Just we're going send to you, send you to Martha's Vineyard. Isn't there a place in hell for people who do that? Sinking in the polls, Ron DeSantis told NBC News yesterday that he loves being underestimated. Okay. Well, if you like... To be underestimated, Ron DeSantis, allow me to underestimate you. I think you're an unlikable racist pig who nobody wants to be around, including your wife and children, and you're going to lose because your supporters are way too ignorant to figure out how to work an election ballot. And five years from now, you're going to be a bloated ex-governor working for a corporate law firm, spending most of your time in court, defending yourself against a litany of lawsuits charging you with punching Miami cocktail waitresses for getting your vodka and tonic wrong. I mean, since you like being underestimated, Governor, I thought I would do you the favor and underestimate you. More dangerous than Trump. Americans owe more than $1 trillion on their credit cards. That's according to the Federal Reserve, as more of us try to make ends meet by deferring payments on our purchases until way off into the future. During the second quarter of the year, Americans added $45 billion to our credit card balances. That's a 4% increase in total credit card debt. And that credit card debt now tops $1 trillion for the first time in American history. There is a problem for Joe Biden. Uh, the White House seems flummoxed. It seems flummoxed by new polling that shows more Americans believe Republicans can handle the economy better than Democrats can. This is interesting. Biden's approval rating for how he's handling the economy is underwater, meaning more Americans disapprove than approve of how Biden's handling 
the economy. They think Trump can handle the economy better than Biden can. Now, I want Biden to win. I need Biden to win. But this speaks volumes to what is wrong at the top of my Democratic Party. See, they think it's a problem with messaging. That's what they're saying. We got to get the message out how great the economy is. You're doing well, America. And we just need to tell you, you're, hey, Mr. Homeless Person, you're doing well. Look at these numbers. It's a messaging problem. So I want to be careful criticizing Joe Biden because, you know, the alternative is the Republican Party. And they've become they're just a lawless party that stands for nothing but violence. And I'm telling you, if Biden doesn't get reelected, raising the minimum wage, Medicare for all, tackling gun violence, income inequality and, of course, climate change will be the least of our worries which is precisely what the ruling elite wants. That's why they gave us Trump. Trump is there to make us frighten of something that won't get us, uh, that won't cost them money, right? We get rid of Trump, then everybody gets to say, see, the system works. We survived. Isn't this a great country? Meanwhile, our schools crumble, the planet broils, children get shot, and nobody can afford Healthcare, but hey, we fought off the Trump menace, which was specifically created to distract us from the real problems. But things can actually get worse. I'm here to cheer you up. Things can actually get worse. Trump is out of control, and he and the Republicans are lawless and violent. So things can get worse. These are the good old days. So I hope I'm making you feel better. I also want to be careful here before I talk about Joe Biden, because uh, he does have an economic record to run on. He does. As long as you're not homeless or you're not checking your credit card statements, he has an economic record to run on. And I do mean that. There's uh, no question that the Inflation Reduction Act which fell woefully short from Bernie's Build Back Better. There's no question that the Inflation Reduction Act is juicing the economy and will continue to juice the economy for at least the next decade. It's bringing manufacturing jobs back to America. Don't forget the CHIPS Act. He's uh, promoting clean energy, his economic policy. We have an industrial policy with the CHIPS Act. First time in modern American history, we have an industrial policy. Uh, the uh, Inflation Reduction Act imposed a 1% surcharge on stock buybacks. And even though Big Pharma is fighting tooth and nail so far, we'll see what happens in the fall because they're fighting this, but Medicare is allowed to negotiate with the drug companies when it comes to the most prescribed pills. We'll see if the the drug companies... Uh, what happens in the courts. And the Inflation Reduction Act capped the cost of insulin at $35 a month, but only for seniors. But it's far better than anything the Republicans would give us. 
Republicans don't give. They take away. So this is better. On a macro level, Biden's economy is great, better than Trump's. In fact, it's the greatest record of job growth in American history. It's ta- the greatest American job growth, greatest job growth in American history has taken place under Joe Biden, while Donald Trump lost more jobs than any president since Herbert Hoover and the Great Depression. Right now, unemployment is 3.5%. What is that? It's, I think that's the lowest it's been in 50 years. Uh, wage growth is actually outpacing inflation, and inflation seems to be slowing down. Right now, inflation sits at about 4.1% a year. It's still high, not where the Fed wants it, but it's not the intractable 1970s era double-digit inflation that so many economists predicted and so many Republicans wanted so they could run against Biden in 2024. And this recession that Republicans keep praying for doesn't seem to materialize. So he does have a, uh, a record uh, to run on when it comes to uh, the economy. But his polling doesn't reflect that. Uh, Republicans are winning the argument when it comes to economics because they have a a well-oiled propaganda machine that spews out fresh lies like, you know, the the Krispy Kreme donut guy across the street from me. Every, Every day, they're just fresh new lies. And Republicans are running against Biden's economy and they're they seem to be winning. Even though Trump left our economy in ruins, so did George W. Bush, even though we know Republicans destroy the economy, they even destroy the stock market. Yet more Americans believe Republicans are more responsible stewards of the economy than Democrats are. Why? Uh, one of the key moves from the authoritarian playbook is to discredit independent institutions, uh, parts of the government that are nonpartisan, independent. The authoritarian playbook is discredit independent institutions, discredit the Justice Department and the FBI, Right. We're hearing that both have been weaponized by Joe Biden. Well, that's straight out of the authoritarian playbook. Whenever the Republicans break the law, it has to be political. When Trump is president and job numbers come out, job numbers that make Trump look bad, work the refs, say, oh, it's Obama holdovers in the Bureau of Labor Statistics who are trying to embarrass Trump. Trump gets bad COVID numbers, politicize it. Fauci's a Democrat. You should go to protectdemocracy.org. I've talked about this before. They wrote what I think is the definitive authoritarian playbook that's easy to read. Won't take you, take a couple of minutes. They wrote the authoritarian playbook based on all the moves of authoritarians and fascists throughout history. 
I went over this last week. There are about six or seven plays out of the authoritarian book. And one of the big plays is working the refs, politicizing any independent agency that makes you look bad. And then the truth is up for grabs. The, the, there is a, uh, a rock-solid case against Donald Trump. We saw it on our TV on January 6th. Work the refs. Jack Smith. We don't even know if he's a Democrat. Work the refs. I can't get a fair trial in Washington, D.C. Work the refs. So I want to be careful here because I'm going to question Joe Biden's economy a little. I want him to be reelected. Uh, I'm not going to say these job numbers, these inflation numbers are incorrect. I believe them. I believe these independent agencies. And again, I not only trust these numbers, I kind of trust Joe Biden. I, you know, I wanted Bernie. I'm willing to compromise. Uh, I want Biden has to win. But when it comes to the economy, you know, why is Joe Biden, who clearly has done a better job on the economy than Trump and George W. Bush? Why don't Americans think Democrats are responsible stewards of our economy. Let me suggest that maybe we're measuring the wrong things. Uh, and again, I'm premature here. Uh, I don't think we can have a serious conversation about this until Trump and the Republicans are thrown into the dust heap of history. Okay? So in 2025, after Trump is defeated and the Republicans splinter into two separate parties, I think that's the time we should have a serious conversation about how we measure this economy and what yardsticks we use to signify growth. Again, I'm not challenging the refs or the independent institutions that measure our economy. I think on a macro level, Biden's economy is something he can run on. I'm just challenging what we measure, how we measure, and why we measure. Bobby Kennedy famously said the gross national product measures everything in an economy except what makes life worth living. Alan Minsky, the executive director of the Progressive Democrats of America, came on this show earlier this year, and he explained that if I walk outside and buy a carton of milk, the purchase of that milk adds a tiny fraction to the gross national product. But if I get hit by a bus and then rush to the emergency room and I require 24 hours of surgery and months of rehabilitation, then my contribution to the gross national product by way of medical bills is ex exponentially higher than what it would be if I had made it safely home from my shopping expedition looking for milk. I've noticed that Japan has pretty much been in a recession for 30 years. They say they're coming out of it, but, you know, from what I've been reading, for the, uh, Japan's economy has been contracting for 30 years. But I'll take their quality of life over ours any quarter of the year. 
So the Biden administration remains remains flummoxed. Why is he underwater when it comes to the economy? Why don't people trust him with the economy? I don't think it's a messaging problem, although I think Republicans are better at lying to the American people because that's all they have. But credit card debt doesn't lie. One trillion dollars in credit card debt, that's a that's a national record right now. You know, you've heard me say countless times on the show that that more than half this country can't come up with a thousand dollars for an emergency. They put it on their credit card. Half this country has to put everything on their credit card. And again, I want Joe Biden reelected, but he is the senator from Delaware, which means he is beholden to all the credit card companies which are headquartered in Delaware. Delaware, besides being one of the biggest tax havens in the world, probably right now bigger than Switzerland and the Cayman Islands. It's also home to the credit card industry. And I can't help but see Americans holding a record $1 trillion in credit card debt and thinking that good old middle-class Joe really delivered for his donors. Again, I'm voting for Biden because Trump will order a shot in the streets. And who wants to have to put the hospital bills that treat us you know, the, we're going to get shot in the street and then we have to go to the hospital and put the medical bills from getting shot on our credit cards. Who wants that? Well, Joe Biden does. It's good for the credit card companies. Well, if the White House is flummoxed as to why Americans don't see the same economy Joe Biden sees you should check our credit card statements, Delaware Joe. Uh, credit card statements are important because I suspect people who have credit cards vote. They participate in the economy. They're not living off the grid. They have credit cards, which means they can, when they fill out the application, they can point to a home address to send, send the monthly statements to. And that suggests they can produce voter ID, right? All these voter ID cards that you need if you have a credit card. I suspect the people in the South where all these voter ID laws are being passed, I suspect they have credit cards. And I suspect people who have credit cards vote. And more and more voters are racking up more and more debt. And that debt... It's at a trillion dollars. And guess what Jerome Powell is doing, the head of the Federal Reserve? He's raising interest rates. Isn't that interesting? Trillion dollars in credit card debt. And Jerome Powell keeps raising interest rates, even though, you know, some people think inflation is okay and you shouldn't be raising interest rates. But Jerome Powell out of the Federal Reserve, which is a bank, won't stop raising interest rates. Why is that? Because 
He works for the banks. He's a banker working for the banks. And if you raise interest rates, that means that $1 trillion that you and I owe on our credit cards, $1 trillion. If he raises interest rates, that means the interest on your credit card goes up. And we owe more each month on our credit cards. That's how it works, right? You owe a trillion dollars. He raises interest rates. Then you owe more, right? $46 billion were added to uh, credit card debt in the past three months. How much of that is because he was raising interest rates, right? You borrow $100 and you're paying 18% if you're lucky. He raises interest rates. Suddenly you're paying 20% on that $100, right? It's a floating interest rate. Who does that benefit? The banks. So if you ask Likely registered voters, if they have a credit card, uh, I'm guessing most of them do. And the question that candidates always ask when they're president and running for re-election or if they're challenging an incumbent, they say, are you better off today than you were four years ago? Well, one trillion dollars in credit card debt, highest ever And this putz, Jerome Powell, head of the Federal Reserve, is raising interest rates, which means that $1 trillion just on the interest, it doesn't matter what people buy, that $1 trillion will increase because they're tacking on higher interest rates to the $1 trillion we already owe. Record credit card debt, Joe suggests, that Americans are not better off today than they were four years ago. It suggests that, okay? Don't forget, however, that this is the Republican Party's fault and not the Democratic Party's fault. It was the Republicans who stopped the earned income tax credit for children, which lifted millions out of poverty during Biden's first year in office. It was uh, the Republicans. Joe Biden wanted to keep the earned income tax credit for children. But in 20, what was it, uh, last year, they got rid of it. Uh, It was the Republicans who ended the COVID-related extra $300 a week in unemployment benefits which should have been permanent. It should have been permanent uh, because Joe Biden promised to raise the minimum wage. He didn't. It was in Build Back Better. They got rid of it. They got rid of the minimum, raising the minimum wage in Build Back Better, and then they got rid of Build Back Better and gave us the Inflation Reduction Act. Again, uh, Joe, Joe Biden has to be reelected. They will shoot us in the streets if he isn't reelected. The Republican Party is just a, 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 a party of 
sexual deviants, self-loathing men who are turned on by violence. And they're sadists. It's not about policy. It's about watching people suffer. So we have to vote for the Democrats. But uh, if we... If we survive, and there's no guarantee that Trump won't get reelected, if we survive, uh, that means that we've learned our lesson, that fascism is part of our DNA, it always has been, and so has progressivism, so has socialism, and you don't compromise with fascists. That's why we're in the mess we're in, because we elected Jimmy Carter, who compromised with the Republicans and the fascists. And then we got Clinton and Obama and Biden, who think you can compromise with fascists. We are right now, under the threat of fascism. And um, this has to be peaceful and legal. That's what we have going for us. You cannot compromise on economic issues with fascists. Medicare for all. Medicare for all. You know, the people who would benefit most from Medicare for all is the Republican Party because there's a mass psychosis going on and they need free mental health care. They do. So one of the ways to, to uh, strip the Republican Party of its energy is free mental health care. If these people were able to see a psychologist, they wouldn't be Republicans. I'm David Feldman reminding you to stay strong and protect the weak. 